0: Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hi again, I'm Alan Cross, and this program is going to be very loud and very fuzzy, but in a very beautiful way. I think so anyway. It's called Shoegaze, a sound that began in Scotland in the 1980s, migrated south to the Thames Valley, over to Ireland, and by the 1990s around the world. No one involved sold a lot of records or concert tickets, but the impact this music had is still being felt today. So many people still refer back to the music of this era as the stuff that made them what they are today. I think you'll get what I mean as we go through the history of this branch of the alt rock family tree. If we're going to start anywhere, it should probably be with the Cocteau Twins. They were from Grangemouth, Scotland, formed in 1979. They came out of that post-punk stew that encouraged any and all experimentation with the rock and roll form. At the center of the band was two people, guitarist Robin Guthrie and vocalist Elizabeth Fraser. Robin was all about guitar effects and looking for new sounds. Elizabeth had a gorgeous soprano voice who sang about, um, well, we, we really don't know what she was singing about. Occasionally, you could make out a word or two, but for the most part, it seems like the woman was just making up sounds, speaking in tongues wish you was the result was dreamy and atmospheric it's nice for background music but if you wanted to turn it up really really loud let's just say that it could transport you to another place Cocteau Twins with Lorelei from a 1984 album on the 4AD label called Treasure. When the band set out to write and record music, their idea was to give you room to think as you listened. What was the singer trying to say? What was that guitar sound? It was strange, but it also had depth and seemed to move along rather, I don't know, effortlessly. And like I said, it could be a totally immersive listening experience. It was lovely. But there was another Scottish band that decided that they needed to be even louder and more immersive, and they called themselves the Jesus and Mary Chain. The Reed brothers, Jim and William, came from East Kilbride and couldn't really do much other than make noise in their guitars. They'd been unemployed for five years. And like the Ramones, they loved the girl groups of the 1960s. But their thing was to add layers and layers of noise to their songs. They claimed to hate rock and roll and how conventional it had become. Tune the guitar? Why? Two strings on the bass? That's fine. And what was the drummer doing standing up and playing a snare in a tom tom with mallets? No bass drum, no cymbals? Extraneous clutter. Through some happenstance, their demo tape came to the attention of Alan McGee and an indie label called Creation Records. He released a single called Upside Down, which was a surprise hit. Meanwhile, the band created all sorts of controversy by getting arrested for drugs and playing short 20 minute concerts that often devolved into violence. Sometimes the show would feature the band just playing one long chord. Then, in November 1985, they released their debut record called Psycho Candy, and the song that grabbed everybody's attention was this one a big slab of fuzz that nevertheless had a lovely, breathy melody. The Jesus and Mary chain with Just Like Honey from the fall of 1985. Like the Cocteau Twins, you really couldn't call the chain a shoegaze band, but by listening to them you can hear where this DNA came from. Other DNA also came from Boston. Jay Maskus and Dinosaur Jr., for example, have a lot to answer for with their fuzzy guitars and vulnerable introspective lyrics. That mated nicely with the velvet undergroundish sounds of Galaxy 500, a mellow band based out of neighboring Cambridge, ...who specialized in sort of a wavy dream pop. Lots of crests and troughs and more introspective lyrics. And then we might consider the influence of Sonic Youth. If there was ever a band that reveled in noise, it was them. But the biggest early influence of all was My Bloody Valentine... ...a band from Dublin that was all about layers of noise. Psychotic amounts of noise that, if you could survive... ...revealed itself in weird harmonics that sounded really cool... In 1988, they released a record called Isn't Anything, which was filled with guitar drones and layers and layers of feedback that created a near-trance-like soundscape. Rarely had so many people used so many effects pedals in the guitars to create such an impenetrable atmosphere of sound. There were vocals, but you really couldn't make out anything that was being said. And if there were drugs involved? Eh, what are you going to do? Isn't Anything came in at the very beginning of the whole shoegaze thing. Then, in 1991, they released their biggest contribution. It was an album called Loveless that was recorded over two years in 19 different studios. And it was so expensive that it nearly bankrupted their record label. My Bloody Valentine from their Loveless album of 1991. Everyone from Trent Reznor to Billy Corgan to Robert Smith to Courtney Love to The Edge of U2 were blown away by what they heard on that album. It did not sell in appreciable numbers, but its influence far, far outweighed its commercial performance. Noise as pop, that was different, as long as you could handle the volume. Let's talk about the term shoegaze for a moment. At the time these bands were forming, mainstream frontmen like Bono were all the rage. They were in the audience's face, frenetically running and jumping and climbing for the duration of a gig. These new groups apparently wanted the music to do all the talking, which is why no one in these new noisy bands really wanted to step forward on stage, preferring to look down at what they were playing instead of leaping all over the place. And there was a more practical reason. With everyone playing heavily-treated guitar parts, they all had to keep their eyes on the foot pedals they were using. To the audience, they appeared to be looking at their shoes all the time, hence the label, shoegazing. Whatever the reasoning behind the name, the music hit you hard in the chest and savaged your ears, creating a very intense sensory experience that focused attention inward. The original shoegaze era was reasonably short-lived, but while it was around... It generated some amazing music, stuff with influence that can be heard even today. More on that story next. The best years for the original shoegaze era were the early 1990s, that narrow gap between Madchester and Britpop. Let's call it late 1989 through to late 1992. For much of that time, it was overshadowed by the legacy Manchester bands. And then when Britpop hit, shoegaze fell from favor. But we'll get to that. The Scots and the Irish got things rolling. And then things settled in the Thames River Valley. This music wasn't about shouting from the rooftops and doing crazy and insane things. No, Shoegaze was and is more about introspection and sensory immersion. Its practitioners liked being the underdogs. This explains why some adherents like to call Shoegaze the scene that celebrates itself. So, yeah, if the British music press wasn't going to pay any attention, screw them. This is where we encounter Ride. They were from Oxford, the same place as Radiohead. Ride came together in 1988, and they wanted to be the Smiths, only a lot louder and fuzzier. How soon is now on steroids, that kind of thing. One of their demo tapes reached Jim Reed of the Jesus and Mary chain, who liked it enough to pass it along to Alan McGee, the head of Creation Records, the chain's label. He signed them right up. In the fall of 1990, they released Nowhere, one of the greatest albums of the original shoegaze era. Much of the material was written by a guy named Andy Bell, and if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was later recruited to play bass for Oasis and then for BDI. Here's one of his tracks with Ride. This is called Vapor Trail. Uh From late 1990, that's Ride with Vapor Trail, a song written by Andy Bell, the future bass player for both Oasis and BDI. Ride had a meteoric ride up, but lost their way after a couple of years and broke up. This would be a good time to introduce Alan Mulder. He was a producer who loved the whole shoegaze sound. And starting with Ride, he dug in, helping tame these walls of noise these bands were creating and uncovered the material's inherent pop sensibilities. He worked with a ton of bands in the genre, and when he finished, he took what he'd learned from these noise-as-pop bands and applied them to new projects like, uh, well, the Downward Spiral from Nine Inch Nails and the Smashing Pumpkins. He'd later work with The Killers, A Perfect Circle, Death Cab for Cutie, and The Foo Fighters. None of these bands, of course, are what you'd call shoegaze, but like I said, Mulder brought his knowledge of how to wring melody out of noise and thick arrangements to all the sessions he did in the future. Oh, by the way, Mulder is married to Tony Halliday, a woman he met while working with her in a band called Curve. Here's the sort of thing they did. Curve with Coast Is Clear from 1992. They broke up in 1994, got together again for about 10 years, starting in 1996, before they once again went their separate ways. Another important name from those days was Slow Dive, a group from Reading that added a little more of an electronic element to things. Instead of being just a wall of guitars, they snuck in some keyboards. This is probably their best-known song, a 1994 track called Allison. Allison. Souvlaki. That's Slow Dive with Allison. If you've been listening closely to the music we've played so far, you may have noticed that about 50% of the songs have featured some kind of female vocals. And this was one of the overlooked aspects of Shoegaze. There was quite a bit of sexual equality with this scene. Most bands had at least one female who played a large role in the vocals, and the result was an interesting balance. The male aggression, manifested in the noisy guitars, balanced out by the soft female vocals. A great example of this is Lush, a London band with two men and two women. And in this case, the women were pretty much in charge. Mickey Bereni and Emma Anderson, they were out front and wrote pretty much all the songs. They toured with Ride and were part of the legendary mainstream lineup for the 1992 Lollapalooza Festival, which, by the way, also featured the Jesus and Mary chain. And I should point out that a lot of their material was produced by Cocteau Twins guitarist Robin Guthrie. This is a track released in the fall of 1990 became something of an alt-rock radio hit in North America before that Christmas. This is Lush with Sweetness and Light. Lush with Sweetness and Light, a hit shoegaze track on both sides of the Atlantic. They lasted until 1996, when drummer Chris Ackland committed suicide. The band tried to carry on, but they felt they just couldn't. Singer Mickey Berenyi ended up as a production editor at a couple of British music magazines. And co-singer Emma Anderson works in music business management. And after a stint playing bass in the Jesus and Mary chain, bassist Phil King works in music media as a picture researcher. Shoegaze is a sound that's never really been in the forefront, but it's never really gone away either. We'll talk about some contemporary examples in just a sec. Before we get into a contemporary example of shoegaze, I want to get some Chapter House in here. They were also from Reading, just like Slowdive, and their big contribution to the shoegaze era was an album called Whirlpool, which came out in 1991. Here's a track called Pearl. Chapter House getting all dreamy with Pearl from their 1991 album, Whirlpool. There are a lot of other bands that we could talk about. Swerve Driver, Adorable, Catherine Wheel. The first Verve album is certainly in the ballpark. And then if we want to cast our nets a little wider, we can rope in noisy dream pop bands like The Cranes. Maybe we need to bring in Spiritual Eyes, too. So what happened to this sound? Well, after initially being on board with the whole shoegaze scene, the British music press, which was hugely influential back then turned on shoegaze bands, diverting their attention first to American grunge and then to Britpop. Shoegaze was basically left to rot. But, just like genres like ska, it never really went away. It just folded in on itself and occasionally threatened to make a comeback. That comeback has never really been properly manifested, but the shoegaze legacy can be felt all over the place. Think about how guys like Alan Moulder sprinkled a little shoegaze on the Smashing Pumpkins and Nine Inch Nails. Now think about the sound of the Silver Sun pickups and A Place to Bury Strangers. And then start tracking how many times bands of today name check My Bloody Valentine as an influence. And look at today's indie scene. Bands like Dive, Crocodiles, Toy, Yuck, Autolux, and the Black Angels, they all have shoegaze chromosomes. We can even add in Sigur Rós, M83, Mogwai, Ulrich Schnauss, the pains of being pure at heart, and one of my current favorites is Hookworms, a noise rock band from Leeds, England. In 2014, they released a record called *The Hum*. From that, this is *On Leaving*. That's Hookworms with On Leaving from their 2014 album, The Hum. It's bands like this that are carrying on the shoegaze tradition. I've always had a really soft spot for the loud and fuzzy. Back in the day, I was a hardcore shoegaze fan. I love that the bands refuse to hype themselves and just let the noise do the talking. And I've been hoping for a revival for more than two decades. But maybe, you know, this music is best left alone to celebrate itself. That's what they did back in the 90s, and it seemed to work just fine. And the plan has certainly kept it alive. Should you need me for something, head to my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com. I update that thing every single day with music news, audio, video, opinion, and generally whatever cool stuff I can think of or find. My email is alan at Allencross.ca, which is easy to remember. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross.